0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning and welcome. So nice to have all of you here for the 930 class. I am deeply honored that you, you gather here every Sunday, week after week, to uh, study the Word of the Lord with me, and I'm always so blessed, so blessed. I, t- I tell Sister Davis when I, when I come home from this class, I'm always, I just always feel so blessed to have been a part of this class and uh sometimes this place is just absolutely packed we've got several people on vacation this week but uh, if you that have been here all these years will remember when this all started i had about four people said ask me if, if if during the nine thirty class during the 9 30 splot we didn't have a class but during the the time between the 8 30 service and the 10 30 service if i would just do like a 15 20 minute quick Bible lesson so we did that in my office we had four people the first Sunday and, and we filled that up moved that into the foyer and filled that up and then of course at that time there was a divider in this room so we only had was that half of the room we filled that up and then when we took the divider out of here then we're filling this classroom up and so I am just so blessed and so honored um, a little casual look this morning that's not intentionally uh but uh thank you <laughs> uh between between being pastor and Moses this, this morning, I'm having to. I didn't get a chance to get back to the pastor mode completely, so I got to escape here from a few minutes and get back over and become Moses again for the 10:30 service. So, anyway, uh, it's good to have all of you here. It's good to have all. We're, we're, I'm so happy to have my sister and brother-in-law uh, here today, Lyndon A.G. Hardy from. And. Um, Thank y'all you for your prayers for them. AG is doing much, much better. Uh, and we're just praising God f- for that. Uh, go ahead and open your Bible to the to the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation. But and just hold it there for just a moment. And, uh, and then I'm gonna I want to talk to you for just a minute, for just a minute, uh, concerning the four, what the scripture calls the four beast that stood out in front of the throne of god uh, near where the 24 elders uh those 24 thrones small thrones 12 on each side of the throne which we've already identified that is to be the, a type of the church it indicates the church in its ruling and reigning uh capacity and there's one place where when the four leaders, and they begin to worship and praise God, the Bible said that they cast their crowns uh, at the feet of Jesus. And uh, that comes from uh, an old Roman custom. It actually goes back to, basically, the Romans actually got it from the Egyptians. It Actually, the custom goes all the way back to ancient Egypt. Uh, The the ancient Pharaohs, when they would capture another country, they would... uh, they would take the throne, the, the crown of that king, and they would, they would bring it in, and they would mold a, a new crown and incorporate the key characteristics of the conquered crown into the crown of Pharaoh, so that when the people who had been conquered by Pharaoh saw him, the first thing they would say, Oh my, he's wearing our king's crown and so it was it was, it was very d- dominating and diminishing to them and and uh and then under and so under roman rule when rome would would con- con- conquer a country uh, and they would bring all the crowns in and what they would do uh uh caesar would, would cause them to cast all to throw all their crowns at his feet and then of course he would then give them their crowns back uh but now they're wearing these crowns only by permission of the king, not as any kind of sovereign ability. And it was in, it was to indicate and to show that these countries that no matter where you are, uh, we've taken your we've taken authority over your crowns. But in here, we we cast our crowns at Jesus' feet, indicating, Amen, that that the victory belongs to Him, the victory belongs to Him, and our victory in this life amen it's made possible through the work of the blood of christ and everything he did for us on the cross and so we we throw our crowns to him and we bow to him and then later the crowns will be returned uh, as we rule and reign with christ a thousand years uh as kings and priests literally upon this earth uh before it is destroyed and then eventually of course uh for eternity in heaven these four an- angels and they're, they're actually cherubims that uh that the translators used the word beast they called them beasts and the reason and, and you could cer- certainly understand why uh that the translators would refer to them as beasts when you hear the description that john gives to them they 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 had four faces actually and and the four faces that are turned towards john are the ones that he sees and he he identifies them he said the, the one had a face of a lion one like a calf one was like the face like a human human being like a man and one was like a flying or a soaring eagle and uh and these were the four sides of the face. and if you go you have to go you'll have to go back to ezekiel to pick up the fact that these each of these cherubims had four faces and and that's it's not related here in revelation but it is in ezekiel where each of these cherubims What's incredible about the cherubims is the only, these are not messenger angels. You, you don't ever see them come into the earth. These are, you know, Gabriel, and My, Gabriel is the messenger angel. Michael is the warring angel. Uh, then there are myriads of angels that, that are on the earth at all times. You have a guardian angel. Uh, there are angels that are going to and fro, fulfilling the word of the Lord. When you pray, you release angels with your words. Uh, it's an amazing concept. But these angels called cherubims, the only function of these angels, are, the Bible said, are to be in his presence and to worship God. And they worship God day and night. And the Bible said they cease not. They cease not to praise him saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. That's these amazing. If any, so, okay, so let's look at the typology of that. When John sees them, he said they were full of eyes, there was eyes, they were just, even they they looked like a face, but there was eyes, eyes, and they were covered with eyes, and and, and they, and he saw that, that they were just absolutely covered with eyes, uh, which I believe indicate their insight, it indicates vision, which indicates revelation, if you can see something, you can reveal, it can be revealed to you, so these angels are not they don't just have two eyes they're full of eyes and it and and I can understand why a translator in the ancient manuscripts would look at this description that John is giving and he would say wow about the best word I could come up for 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 these guys would be beast not not beast like the of the field but but some kind of heavenly angelic beast well there really were cherubims and they have and this is what I believe I believe they know more about God than any other inhabitant of heaven. They are in his presence 24 7. They have all these eyes. They have the ability to perceive and see. And so they they are the most intelligent. It also speaks of intelligence. These are not some kind of robotic uh, transformer type. I don't want to think about transformers other than I know it's out in the theaters right now but but you that follow the transformers these are these are not transformers these are not these are not some kind of robotic angelic beast these are intelligent amazing creatures who who have the ability to reveal and somehow when when they would when they would fall down before the lord their insights And their revelation of of God is some way transferred to the church. And the church gets up. Not only and throws their crowns at Christ's feet, but they bow before him. And they begin to chant, holy, holy, holy. So the revelation that is is received by these cherubims is now given over to the church. Which is so exciting to me. Because it, it goes back to it goes back to First Corinthians the thirteenth chapter where Paul said, we, for, for we see through a glass darkly. Our understanding of God is very limited. We just know that he loves us. That's about it. We know that he, that he came and, and gave himself on the cross. We, 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 uh, we get that maybe, but we don't understand God. It's, it, how could mere, mere men understand God and like the angels? But there will come a day, Paul said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then. Face to face. We will have the intelligent knowledge of God that the cherubims possess. And all of our questions, you know, that, that list of questions we all got someday. Do, do y'all have a list? I have one. Things I want to ask God. You know, a uh, sister has one, you know, it has to do with women, you know, and <laughs> got, got some things I want to ask I want to ask Eve. <laughs> there, there's some, there's some, there's some questions we all have. I've got a, questions I don't understand. There's some things that happen in life I don't have an answer for. I don't have an answer why good people suffer. I don't have an answer why babies die. I don't, I don't have an answer to that. Every time I have to preach the funeral of a child or a young person, I'm 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 all to pieces. I before I get to that pulpit to try to compose myself, I am a mess because I don't know how do I go and how do I go and tell a parent just just feel better. I want you to you're going to make it. How do you how do you do that? How do you do that? You just can't do that. It just can't do that. So I got questions. I got a list of questions, but I assure you. I assure you, on that day, when I see him, Stephen, face to face, and suddenly, everything that he knows, everything that he is, and every intelligence that is he possesses, that the angels will transmit to us, on that moment, my list of questions will evaporate. I won't have any more questions. And so this I think this part of heaven, and this is the part, th- these are the first things that John sees when he gets there. God is taking care of some business for the church right away, right away, uh, before the marriage supper of the Lamb, before the judgment seat of Christ. He begins to take care of some questions, and, and some amazing things begin to happen. All right, um, let me just say a couple more things about that. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, most Bible scholars, uh, if, if, you're, if you ever study Matthew Henry a little bit, Matthew Henry believed that the, the lion, that the four beasts or are, are the four angelic beings represented uh, a type of the four gospels of Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and, and the implication is that in, in Matthew, Matthew presents Jesus as the Lion of Judah. He's the he's the the lion of Judah, the gospel, showing him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Mark sees him as the ox. He's the the servant, the calf. He's the the one among us as 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 just a servant, as a humble worker. Luke sees him as the man. He sees the man part of God. And that's why you'll see Luke was the physician. Now, you know that Luke was not one of the original disciples. You know that. And Luke was a, a convert of the Apostle Paul, but God gave him perfect. As a matter of fact, Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts. And he said God gave him perfect understanding. Even though he was not there, he had perfect understanding. But Luke was a physician that was converted by the Apostle Paul. But when you read the book of Luke, for example, read the book of Luke versus the book of Matthew about the miracles. Isn't it incredible how that in Matthew may just refer to someone as being sick, Luke tells you what's wrong with him. Luke's the doctor. He's the physician. He said he's got palsy and he had. They had to be carried and he he's been that way since birth. You get all these. In your doctor's details and so Luke that's how he sees Jesus as the doctor. He's the doctor. He sees him as the man and then and then and then John of course sees Jesus and teaches Jesus about Jesus's divinity. In the beginning there was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's how John starts his gospel. Ha! Hallelujah. And so he sees Jesus as the high flying eagle the one that comes from the heavens. So And and, and that's, that's a good typology. There's about, if you want to, you, you know, and I don't want to get it there, but there, there's about a dozen types and shadows that some people would ascribe to these four uh, angelic beings. I'm going to conclude my remarks by just simply saying what I've just said and move on now to chapter 5. So if you got your Bibles open, we'll go to Revelation chapter 5. Um, this is the... Okay, if you're taking notes with me, this is what I call the transitional chapter of the book of Revelation. The transitional chapter. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Remember, Revelation 1, 2, and 3 happen on the earth. Remember that? Jesus comes to the earth. John sees him. Actually, on the Isle of Patmos, where, where Christ appears to John, so, Davis and I've had the opportunity to be in the, in the cave on the Isle of Patmos years ago, where John received this revelation. So, so the first three chapters happen on the earth. Chapter four happens in heaven. Happens in heaven. Now, chapter five is the transitional chapter between what is happening in what we would call the normal setting. And what is about to be unleashed on this earth, which is going to be wrath and destruction beyond human ability to understand it. And when you begin to hear John try to describe the wrath, and it's called the wrath of God. It is God's wrath. Remember last week I talked about the thunder coming out from under the throne? Some theologians believe not only is the lightning and thunder, of course, a characteristic of the glory of God as it was on Mount Sinai, but that it could have, it could also be this rumbling. You know, that's, you know we're hearing if you if you study prophecy and you keep up with the signs of the time and what's happening in Syria, what's happening in Iraq, what's happening uh, in the Middle East, uh, what takes place in Israel, all the things. If you keep up with some of the technological computer the chips, the systems, all the things that most of you know a little bit about or or, or as much about as we can know, all of that, of course, indicates that for the church that, that we are somewhere. We are not lost. The church is not lost. We know we can identify. I think one of the incredible things about looking at the historic timeline is that we know these are, are called the last and Now, the last days actually begin. Uh, this is going to sound kind of amazing to you, but technically the last days began with, a, with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. It was said from there. So, so where are we now? Well, we do know that, for example, some things could not happen until Israel. As, again, located in the Jews or located back in their, in their country of Israel. That had to happen before some things in the end time happened. Well, that happened in 1948. So we know, we know now we can go look and say, okay, these prophetic events that are taking place now, so we know, so we know that, that Israel would regain Jerusalem, which they did in, 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 in 1967. So there's, there's calendar events that you can see, okay, we know where we are. These rumblings that's going on right now. Jesus said this. He said... Be not deceived," he said. "Be not deceived," he said. There's, there, there, "There'll be wars and rumors of wars, and earthquakes and diverse places, and signs in the heavens, and and the blood moons that, that we're all talking about, a little bit about, and all these things that are out there." He said, "But he said, but the end is not yet. The end is not yet." He's so I'm just telling you right now. There's rumblings right now. Every time you turn on the, the television uh, and the, and you get the newscast, every time you get if you get news. I, I used to get news on my on my phone, but every time a news item pops up, it's 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 the rumbling, it's the thunder from the throne of God, indicating that that something's about to happen. And so this is the transitional. This is what I'm. This is what I call this is this is the last stop in the book of Revelation. This is the last stop before God begins to release upon this planet destruction that is called a time of tribulation like the world has never known if I was not saved today not only would I get saved right now not just because I don't want to go to hell and I don't but I don't want to I don't want to to, I don't want to go through that amazing wrath—that's not reserved for the children of God. No, no, no. It's, that's not the Bible said in the Book of Revelation that this wrath was directed between the rejectors of Christ. God's wrath in the in the New Testament in, in, in the Book of Revelation is being directed on this earth toward the rejectors, a planet that has rejected Christ. So we know there's going to be an incredible re- revival both right before the coming of the Lord there is the falling away now you know you guys know this the falling away has already started there's just no way to not you there's no argument against that the falling away that is spoken of by paul and john both have started that's why we see this amazing backslidden nation around us even in our, in our own beloved cities here in, in the Metroplex, uh, this, the, I think the last poll that was taken a couple years ago showed that in the Metroplex area uh, itself uh, was over 3 million backsliders. There are 3 million people in the Metroplex area that used to know the Lord and serve the Lord that no longer serve the Lord. It's just right here. When you then you look at you look at you look at all the mainline denominational churches that are now embracing uh, homosexual priests, are now embracing uh, same-sex marriage. Uh, for the Presbyterian Church, of all things, just just last month rep, accepted. I, I I was shocked uh, because they had voted it down so vehemently before. Accepted gay marriage and in, in their church and 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 gay priests in their church, and so you can see that that there is and, and and it's not just there in the spirit filled movement of what we call the spirit filled movement which I am I'm so honored and thankful to God that that my my mom and dad who are with the Lord lend us here today but we were we we were brought up in a in a setting of of the holy spirit and the baptism of the holy spirit and the glory of God we we that's, that's all we've ever known that's all we have ever we've never known anything but that but then, but, but then I'm at this age to see where even the spirit-filled church has, has gone to the point where, where so many spirit-filled churches are ashamed of speaking in tongues anymore. They, they want to keep that in the back room so they don't, they don't even want to talk about miracles, and so they quit preaching about miracles. And I'm just going to tell you, the great falling away has already started. It's already started. In the middle of that great fallen way, the Bible says there's also going to be a great outpouring. And here's what the Bible said. And God, it shall come to pass. God's going to, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's, that's all flesh. All flesh. Amen. That's all flesh. And there will be a glorious revival before Christ catches the church out of here. Now, that brings us to this. What's left on this planet after Christ takes the church out of here? will be the apostate church, which is identified in the book of Revelation as the great, it's, just, it's a whore, it's a great whore. It's just plain, that's what the, John's going to look at this apostate church that's left after Jesus comes, and he's going to call her the great whore, and he's going to talk about the nations of the world that committed fornication with the great whore, and then the destruction that's going to follow all of that. But in the midst of all of that, there's also going to be a releasing of 144,000, what we call man, child, jews There will be—and and I'll explain that there in another lesson as we get about the seventh chapter—and their their message will be to preach Christ as the only hope of salvation to people that are that are on the earth during that time. And, they, and according to John, there will be a multitude of people saved out of the great tribulation period. Uh, because of the ministry of the 144,000 people and, of course, the two witnesses that are going to be coming back uh, as well. My point is this. Somebody said, well, I just think I'll wait and take my chances in the tribulation period. Are you kidding me? If, if, you can't give up a, if, if you can't give up the world right now, if you can't give up a little sin that you're doing, if you can't give up your little rebellious attitude right now, I don't think you're going to give up your head and give up your neck No, no, no. Anyway. Transition. Transition. Here's what I'm talking about. This is the chapter that transitions us from the peace and the tranquility of the scene in heaven to this climatic, dramatic, amazing outpouring of something that John said that when it starts happening that men are going to run and cry to the rocks and mountains and say, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne. I don't know about you. I don't want to be here when that happens. I don't want to be here when that happens. Amen. Chapter 5. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. Okay, some amazing things take place in that one verse. First of all, when John first sees the throne in the fourth chapter, he said it looked like a diamond I saw the Emerald, I saw the Sardis stone, it looked like this incredible, I, I, it was so bright and the glory was so strong, all I could say, now, what's happened? Why can John now see in the hand of him who sits on the throne this book or this scroll? It's not a book like this, like a book we have, it would be, it would be a scroll Uh how does he see it? I'll tell you how. Because John now is in his glorified, and he's in a glorified position. Think about this. He'd have to, he, listen, he could not appear there in his fleshly body without his fleshly body being consumed. We'd all agree with that, right? Would you agree that John cannot be standing before the throne of God? And this stuff... No way. No way. So John, who's been called up into the heavens as type of the rapture, is now in a, in, a, in a body which Paul said, we know that this earthly body be dissolved. 7th chapter of Corinthians, we know this earthly body be dissolved. We have another house or, or building or body in the heaven is not made, with, made without hands. John now is in this body because he cannot be in an earthly body now and be that close to... To the presence of God and the power of God, and now in His whatever this, whatever this form is, it it would be a physical. It would be a, we call physical. It would be a, it would be a, a visible. It wouldn't be physical like physical like we we are physical. But in this visible form, John now is able to peer into this cloud of the glory of God that's emanating from the throne of God and the bright colors of the rainbow and all that's there, and he sees sitting. On the throne, he sees the hand. He still doesn't describe his face, but he describes. He said, "I saw on the throne a hand, and he's holding in his hand a book. And this book is written on the inside, and then they turned it over. It must have been a lot to it. And he's wrote. It's written, written on the outside. Most scrolls." Most scrolls, most old testament scrolls were only written on one side and rolled to protect them. Now, a lot of speculation here. I'm going I'm not gonna I promise you that I promised you at the beginning of this class I was not gonna run down every every prophetic road or, or opinion that's out there. I will give you what what I believe are, are reasonable. Uh, things that we can look at and draw from whether they're the way they're going to be or not. I don't think anybody will understand that till we get there what is this book what is this scroll well first of all it is sealed with seven seals seven seals uh, we do know that title deeds in the Old Testament the deed to property would be sealed with seven seals some uh, old theologians, th- those are the ones I pay most attention. I'm talking about those from 1600 to 1800. Most, most of the elder theologians believe that this could be, not could be, okay, just could be. This is, this is amazing if it is to me. Could be the title deed to the earth. Could be the tide; will lead to the earth. And now, how? Where would they think that? Well, we understand this. And and brother Hart and I was talking a little bit about dispensations before the service this morning. You think about it. This we we do know this that when God created the heavens and earth, He the Bible said in the book of Genesis that He gave the earth to Adam and Eve. Is that not correct? He gave them the earth and said, "It's yours. Take care of it. Populate it. It's your it's your it's your planet." I'm putting you in charge. You are in charge of this planet. So, in, so technically, they had, they had the title deed to the earth. Lucifer comes along, selling, selling lakefront property in Idaho, <laughs> or oceanfront property in Idaho, and sells them a bill of goods and, and deceives them, and they eat of the forbidden tree, and the title deed at that point was transferred over to the devil. And to get that back, Christ had to come to, the, to redeem that. He had to come to the cross. And to, to redeem everything that was lost in Adam, we get back in Christ, the second Adam, or the last Adam. Not the second Adam, but the last Adam. There's not second, third, and fourth, just there's a first Adam and a last Adam, okay? And the last Adam was Christ who came to redeem back everything that was lost by the first Adam, okay? So that even, and even though, how many of you would agree with this? Even though we know that everything that Christ did for us at the cross is right now in effect, It is in effect. Can can we not say right now by his stripes we were healed? Can we not say right now that by his blood we are saved? Can we not say right now by his blood that we are provided for? We are everything that he did at the cross is in effect right now. But how many of you also know that everything he did at the cross has not yet been totally fulfilled? For example, when we got saved, the only part of you and I that got saved and transformed And redeemed was our spirit. So I thought my body got saved. Well, if your body got saved, you wouldn't be sinning with it anymore. Oh, did I mean to say that? I think I did, yeah. I feel like Moses today. (laughs) If, If... If our body that's why Paul said that's why Paul would later say to us he said that our bodies are groaning for that that day of redemption in other words here's what here's what here's our predicament we have born-again spirits living in unborn-again bodies and that's why it's called the battle of the flesh between the spirit. And Paul said, I'm always having the battle of this. There's all, he said. Did he say the things I want to do, I don't do, and the things I don't want to do, I end up doing those things? Now, is Paul the only one who ever found himself? I've done that. You've done that. There's not a person in this room who have not. You have, you have looked at righteousness and chose unrighteousness. You have said, I know this is the right way, but I think I'm going to do this. We've all done that. And it's only the mercy and grace of God we've been, we're forgiven. But my point is this. My point is this. On the cross, Jesus also redeemed your body. But that will not happen until the rapture of the church. The resurrection of the, uh, of the church. And we get that glorified body. How, how, what's it going to look like? Well, was it John said, I, I, I don't know what it's going to look like, but we know this. When, we'll, when we see him, we'll, we'll be like him, <laughs> but we're going to see him as he is. We're going to have the same, have the same body that Jesus had. Think about when, in Jesus' resurrected body, Jesus passed through walls. That's right. He appeared and disappeared. He was able to, tra- after his resurrection, according to, according to Hebrews the ninth and tenth chapters, he had to go all the way to heaven, to the holy city, the third heaven, why to deposit the blood that he shed on the cross in the heavenlies, where it's there right now, on the real mercy seat, which is not down here, because the real mercy seat was up there, and what we have is a copy. Amen. Did not Moses? He said, "This is a write down what you've seen. I'm going to show you a vision of heaven, and you're going to write it down." And this is this is basically we got the we got the little miniature version of the real things in heaven. Jesus in a in a. Jesus in a resurrected body, not a glorified yet, but in a resurrected body, could pass through walls, appear, disappear. He could still eat. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> not to... So what, 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 what are they going to have at the marriage supper? I, well, I know fish for one thing. You know, the, only, the only thing you really know that Jesus ate, the Bible talks about him eating fish. fish and Matter of fact, he fixed, he fixed fish and bread for the disciples on the Sea of Galilee for breakfast one morning. Fish for breakfast. Well, if you ever go to Israel, they have fish for breakfast. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Not catfish for breakfast. They don't have catfish for breakfast. All right. My point is this. My point is this. This glorified, this, this, this body that John is existing in in heaven... Has the ability to to be in the glory of God, and now his eyes—I I don't. This is totally wrong. This is a poor example, but it's it's about the best one I can think of right here. His eyes finally get adjusted to the light. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. In our here, you know, you have been in the dark and turn the light on? You're trying to, you know, trying to get your eyes just adjusted. Well, his eyes are adjusted now, and he looks, and he sees on the throne. He sees the hand of one, the one God, and in His hand is a scroll, with seven seals. Now, is it the title deed of the earth? I don't know. I don't know. Could be. It it excites me the possibility that the title deed to the earth would be a physical. When I call say physical, I'm not meaning earthly or fleshly. I'm talking about a visible document (laughs) that somehow God designed this document that 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 the earth and that's why the devil has tried everything he can to take possession of this earth he wants it now here's what the Bible he said the Bible tells us that the, the the devil is the prince and power of what of the air of the atmosphere so he we know this Lucifer started out in the third heaven As an archangel it's cast out of heaven and into the second heaven where the where the stars and Milky Milky Way and the planets are and and perhaps has wreaked havoc in in that second heaven we don't know all that's going on out there and what microscopes or or what telescopes are now finding out that happened millions of years ago which could certainly exist in, in, in heaven in God eternity is billions of years. God always has existed and always will. And then he was then he was he gained access to the first heaven and that's the atmosphere where we are. and he he rules his on, from that place but there will come a time in the book of revelation the Bible said that he will be actually loosed upon this planet in a physical sense Uh, just in case you hadn't picked up on it the devil don't have a very good track record he starts out in heaven and every step he takes is down 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 finally the earth down finally the bottomless pit down finally hell and the lake of fire down so if you Or putting your trust in the devil. If you're trying to serve the devil, I got news for you. He's not going up, he's going down. And everybody who trusts in him is going down with him. And on the other hand, Jesus is going up and we're going up with him. Can you say amen? Praise God. All right, what else could the scroll be? Well, we do know this. It, whether it is the title deed to the earth, or it may be. We do know this, that this document has within its cover the events detailed on what will happen first, second, third, fourth in order on this earth. And not only do we have it in detail, but there are trigger points there are trigger points i'm going to call them trigger points there are trigger points in each seal and it it is when we reach this trigger point It's when they pull the the trigger is pull and the actual events begin to unfold on the planet and we'll start there next sunday amen praise god thank you all for being here today Got prayer meeting right over here in just a few moments, and 10:30 uh, service. There will be a Moses sighting, so I encourage you to be there. And uh, we love you all. Have a great, wonderful, wonderful rest of the day, in Jesus' name. Amen.